White Sox. White Sox. Go, 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 go. Call your sons. Call your Dynamic duo of Herb Lawrence and Chris Tannehill. Those two are like a tag team, you know? Come with me to Southside of Chicago. Hi, this is Jim Tomey, and the best White Sox talk is on Locked On Sox podcast with Tanny and Herb. Hello, and welcome back to Locked On Sox. My name is Herb Lawrence. You can follow me on Twitter. It's at Ecknerwall23. That's Lawrence spelled backwards. Chris Tannehill is at Chris Tannehill. And our show is at Locked On Socks. If you want to leave us a voice message, 312-566-8727 is the way you can do that. Or at Locked On Socks. Or leave a email, LockedOnSocks at gmail.com. Today and the rest of the week, it'll be these two gentlemen, guys I met at the score and guys who have been working hard there and big time White Sox fans. You know Mike Rankin, we've had him on the show before. He's part of Future Sox over there with James Fox and those other people over there. So Mike Rankin, who also works at the score, will be one of the hosts. And the other one is what we call the Phenom, Sean Anderson. Big time White Sox fan, had an awesome video uh, that we talked about when he was going up against me and Rob Hart in the 108 tournament. So great skills there. Young cats who are hungry and young cats who love the White Sox. So thank you for joining us this whole journey. But give our guys a listen. Sean Anderson and Mike Rankin. Take it away, guys. Thanks, Herb. Appreciate the kind words. And thank you to Chris Tannehill for allowing us to be here today. My name's Mike Rankin. Sean Anderson also alongside us. Sean, we have a lot on tap filling in for Tanny and Herb on this episode of Locked on Socks. What do we got? Yes, we do. This episode of Locked on Socks is brought to you by Spotify Green Room. Download the Spotify Green Room app and find one of our Locked on Rooms today. Today, we're going to be recapping the All-Star game. We have four White Sox in that game, so we'll talk about the performances, the ones that played in yeah, the game. How about that, huh? And we'll talk about some connections in the game. Then we, in the second segment, we'll be talking about the 2021 Amateur Draft 20 rounds over the past three days. Sox taking Colson Montgomery shortstop at the 22nd pick in the first round. So we'll talk about that and we'll go deep into the first five picks of the White Sox draft. And then we're looking for your emails and voicemails. You can email us at LockdownSox at gmail.com or call the voicemail 312-566-8727. That is 312-566-8727. But Mike, the All-Star game is tonight and the Sox have four representers in the game. Why don't we talk about them? Yeah, I mean, sure. Why not? You know, that's a great We, we also story. can. If you don't want to, we don't have well, to. Well, yeah, no, I've been looking forward to this draft conversation, <laughs> if we're being honest. Uh, I tell you what, though, what a story. First of all, don't cross Big Frank, okay? If Big Frank says Tim Anderson needs to be in the All-Star game, then Major League Baseball has got to put him in, and they did, and they did the right thing, right? I mean, this is a face not only of the Chicago White Sox, who, by the way, speaking of Tim Anderson, it blows my mind how he's able to improve his game and fix some of the deficiencies that you know you tend to criticize him about over an elongated stretch. Like year after year, he's improved, whether it's the defense, routine plays. He's got one of the strongest arms in the league. Routine plays, he's making those consistently. Talking about the, the trouble he has walking, he's walking more. He's finding barrels so consistently. How does he follow up a batting title 
Well, yeah, he's an all-star. And shout out to Tim Anderson, but also shout out to Carlos Rodon. What a story that is, Sean. Really, uh, really loving the national attention the White Sox are getting Lance Lynn through a shutout inning. I know you're going to talk about that as well. Um, the four White Sox, man, eh, Jose Abreu could have been there too. Just saying. Yes, Bonnie Grandel could have been there too. And and obviously uh, before he got injured, it was him versus Zanino to take the uh, the spot. I think Martin Maldonado uh, re- uh, alleviated. So, I mean, even Grandel could have been there. A lot of possible representations. Moncada finished in the top third too. Um, but you talk about uh, the three right there. You also miss Liam Hendricks, um, who's been a little shaky. I think seven home runs, which is more than I think the past two years he had in Oakland. But Part of that is the ballpark, um, but he's been great, too, coming out of the bullpen. I, I've loved most of his saves, and even <laughs> when he's given up home runs, I, it, I don't think they've lost every game he's given up a home run in. Um, and, you know, I think he's given up some solo shots with a two-run lead, but he's been mostly shut down in what they've paid for for $54 million. I mean, I think that there could be some tweaks and improvement, but he's still in this game for a reason, and that's because he's one of the best in the game. So it is really cool to see the mix of Tim Anderson first-round pick and Carlos Rodown first-round pick, and then the two guys that they've brought in over the past year. And I think that shows to Rick Hahn's ability to acquire talent with trades and with free agents. It's really just showing you in this roster. And I think even Grandal should be on this roster. That's another uh, back on Rick Hahn for, you know, those are two all-stars that he's been able to bring in um, and you know ne- negotiate the right contract for them. This is a little tease here because this is one of the topics that we're going to save for a future episode this week. Sean and I are in for Tanny and Herb all week. The number of prospects that are on the 40-man roster developed by the Chicago White Sox is astounding. And they're all playing an impact on why they're successful. I think it counted 22 that have been a part of either international signings that they developed straight up, a result of a trade, this case Chris Sale, who was drafted by the organization, um, guys like Jonathan Stever, Jimmy Lambert from last season. They contributed to seasons past a playoff season in 20 and now in this season you see the names jake berger gavin sheets i love it i love it this is what a successful organization does and you talk about the all-stars lance lynn yasmani grandal who could have been an all-star is a super valuable piece on the roster carlos rodan who you know draft pick non-tendered signed for two and a half million now he's going to look to get paid in the offseason i mean liam hendricks free agent signing their scouting development team brian goodwin i mean you can go on and on how often do we do this sean how often do we praise the decision making of the white Sox front office it's been happening a lot lately and it's about damn time yeah absolutely it's it's about damn time i think a lot of people on the south side feel that way and I think the representation in this game means a ton just because I think of White Sox All-Stars in the past, and it's Frank Thomas, it's Jim Tomey, it's Paul Konerko, right? But really, in the, in the past, it's just been Chris Sale and I think Jose Quintana that have been like, and Jose Abreu, and then like Avi Garcia. Like, those are the big four, I think, of the past like 10 years. And it's none of it's great outside of Abreu, I think, once, and, and Sale a couple times, he had a start. But it, it really shows now that it's it's coming in numbers. I think four teams had four all-stars. The Sox are one of them. That just shows, again, to uh, the, the type of level that this organization is rising to, and it's extremely exciting. Um, Mike, we should run down the game a little bit. Yeah. Um, right now, it's 5-2 to two in the top of the ninth. It looks like the AL is going to take this one. Um, right now, up to bat is uh, Jared Walsh, why we record this one. It doesn't look like the order is going to swing around to get to Tim Anderson if they go 1-2-3. Um, cause right now Walsh is ninth first is JD Martinez. And then second is Matt Olson. So Tim Anderson might not get in that bat in this one, but right now it is five to two first run coming from a sh- 
infield single yeah. from Marcus Simeon, former White Sox. <laughs> uh, then the AL made it two nothing. Vladimir Guerrero hit one of the farthest home runs I think I've seen in game at Coors Field. Uh, then in the fifth inning, Guerrero made it three nothing with a ground out to second that scored Teoscar Hernandez. Uh, then Xander Bogart singled to right, scoring Cedric Mullins for nothing. Uh, Real Muto then hit a home run uh, to right center field to make it four one. American lead still winning. Uh, and then at the top of the six, Mike Zunino hit a bomb to right field. He made it five one. And then Manny Machado, uh, I don't know if he ever had a tie to the White Sox, Mike. Uh, he uh, scored on a pass. He scored <laughs> on a pass ball by Mike Zunino, and that was in the bottom of the sixth inning. Again, it's still five to two. Um, Lance Lynn, the only White Sox to get in, he went uh, one inning pitched, uh, did not allow um, any hit. Uh, and then he only allowed one base runner per walk, and then he struck out the guy uh, to end the inning. So one inning, one walk, one K for Lance Lynn. Mike, how have you been taking in the game, and what was that Lance Lynn inning like for you? Uh, it was awesome, you know, the big bastard. He's a, he's he's pretty good. Uh, I, I like that the White Sox went out and, you know, they traded a couple of pieces for one year of Lance Lynn in a season that they need to win, right? He seems I mean, like Rick- such a fit. Just fits in with (laughs) the big bastard mentality saying who gives a crap. It's June. I love it. I love it. And, you know, they like I said, they went out and dished Dane Dunning and Avery Weems. Avery Weems, a young prospect who could rise through the Rangers system quickly. We know Dane Dunning, a young player who dealt with some injuries in the White Sox system. But this is the state of the White Sox right now. They're looking upgrade. They're looking for talent now. But also we're going to get into the draft here in the next segment they're drafting to develop so the prospects can continue to contribute to the big league club in the future. That's what positive and successful organizations do. Um, and shout out Matt Thornton, by the way, uh, <laughs> former White Sox all-star. Yeah. So the, the game itself, it was, you know, they, they did their best. I think Fox aside from the stupid ass buzzing, whatever that ringing was when in the, I don't know if anybody else caught this. It was driving me insane. The way that they they switched cameras and there was this ringing in the background that just ruined my experience for several pitches. <laughs> anyway, they, they had players mic'd up mid at bat. I think there was a time and place for that, and it was the All Star game. If they're going to do anything like that, it's those great. Were, those are boring. It, it really was, the, the, it was the awkward. Yeah. The only moment that stuck out to me was when uh, Buck asked J- Freddie Freeman about uh, his kid Charlie meeting Fernando cool. Tatis, and he was he was like, you know, that's the only thing my kid wanted to do was meet Fernando Tatis, and I am just like Charlie Freeman. I only want to meet Fernando Tatis Jr. <laughs> I wish he was on the White Sox. Um, so I like Freddie Freeman's child. Uh, Charlie Charlie Freeman wants to. I like that Fred, too. Fernando you know, Tatis, but that was the best moment yeah. out of that like Xander Bogarts was yeah. given nothing he was like I'm looking for a fastball against Max Scherzer and like that was about it that was the only thing he said during his at-bat so I didn't really love that it's hard you know for broadcasters to know what to do in those situations especially when you don't really do it ever mm-hmm. uh, and when they did do it in the all-star or I'm sorry in the playoffs from only Ariano swore on tv so yeah. it's like you know you gotta be careful and Tatis I think you know yelled the uh, expletive when he flew out to the track but it was uh it was an experience that I think Major League Baseball did their best with because you want to try and create engagement people retaining right mm-hmm. um the the tatis stuff is awesome because of how funny he is he laughs all the time i think that's great but yeah man when xander bogarts is in the box he's facing a 1-1 fastball from scherzer and joe buck's like here's the 1-1 mm-hmm. and he's trying to focus on the pitch it's it's kind of it's kind of tough um also weird to hear john smoltz go right to the tony larusa love after lance lynn gets his first out he gets a ground out again against uh 
I believe it was Winker to start the inning. I could be wrong on that, but I think it was Winker. And then right before Nick Castiano stepped up, he's like, yeah, Tony LaRusse is doing a great job with the injuries. I was really surprised that yeah. that's the first White Sox no- well, knows that they're, they're going to. I understand that the national audience yeah. understands Tony from his long career, but it, it is crazy because he's been out of the game for 10 years. It's like I think Tim Anderson's more relevant right now than Tony LaRusse, even though he is a Hall of Famer. Sure. You know, and they got to give Tony his love because somebody's got to do it, I guess. But uh, right but hey, away. I just found yeah, that surprising. Yeah. Well, credit to Tony. We have to. I I mean, I'm so I at least have to. I don't know if I'm speaking for everybody else, but I mm-hmm. you know, he's this is it seems like the ship's right and players are behind him. You know, it was, it was rough the first first couple months. We don't have to get into the Tony talk, but that first or excuse me, that second inning with uh, Lance Lane on the bump went Freddie Freeman ground out, Nick Castellanos pop out, Jesse Winker walk. JT Rio Muto strikeout. So that was fun. Some White Sox representatives. We saw Tim Anderson get into the ball game late. You know, hey, it was – look, I, I enjoyed the All-Star game. I, I'm glad it's an exhibition, by the way. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, it is – future White Sox, Chris Bryant, not not making much noise. It, <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah, well, I mean, and I'm manifesting that. So it's not – if yeah. you're questioning whether Chris <laughs> Bryant's going to be a White Sox, don't because I already put it into into the future. On J- July 31st, he's going to be a White Sox. Um, it also is shaping up that I don't know – I'm not watching the game, obviously, because we're recording it right now. Um, I'm following it on GameCast, but it's a 5-2 game. Two outs in the top of the ninth. So Liam Hendricks might be warming up, and I have no idea. So he might be getting the save for the White Sox, which would be a fun uh, statistical sure. note. Let's say that he did and yeah. uh, take credit for it. <laughs> yeah, right. I'll give myself the pat on the back, but we'll, we'll update you uh, if, if anything happens. Uh, one thing before we get to the White Sox connections is I do want to talk a little yes. bit about Adam Frazier. I think he had three assists in the field, most of them looking pretty sure-handed. First play, um, a rocket off the bat of Shohei Otani, who also threw 100 miles per hour um, when he was on the mound twice. Uh, this game per uh, Fox's radar gun. But Adam Frazier, really slick with the glove. He ripped a single into right field. I wasn't always on the Adam Frazier to the White Sox train, but after watching tonight, it really looks like you could be getting a professional at bat, a professional glove, and it's not like you know anything's elite, but it really does seem everything's above average for him. I love trade deadline conversations, especially when your team's in it as buyers. Adam Frazier is the prime example of a team that's selling as the league knows the team is selling and they're trying all that they can to leverage their most valuable piece because Adam Frazier would be a White Sox right now if the Pirates weren't asking for the farm. And the White Sox just aren't going to do that. There's other options out there, but Adam Frazier's legit, you know, and I wonder how long the the Pirates are going to sit on the stance and maybe check out the market and, and feel it out a little bit and wait until the deadline I know Tanny and her, they're going to cover this extensively. Trade deadline conversation so fun. I'm terrible at measuring trade value like this guy for this guy. I'm, I'm not going to do it. Mm-hmm. I would love Adam Frazier on the White Sox. I think he's just going to cost too much. Yeah, I, I see definitely the cost being too high um, just because of that second year of control. Right. If, if he's not under contract for next year, he's he's cost less than Chris Bryant. Right. But, it, you know, it might be a possibility. And that's why I think that the Sox might have a shot to truly go get Chris Bryant is because of that lack of it. control next year. You only get two months for him where you're getting a two, you know, two months in a year um, plus postseason time with Adam Frazier. Um, so that's the thing that I, I do worry about, but I don't think it's going to cost a crochet of Vaughn. I really don't think that at the end of the day, it's going to cost a big, big name in this team. I mean, maybe in the farm system, but in the actual everyday roster i really think it might be untouched if they go after a frazier or a bryant i think those teams are both looking for younger players just because of the nature of their rebuild we see what the cubs did in that darvish trade going after four 
um, players under 20 years old. And then, you know, the Pirates, obviously, uh, they're looking and struggling just to find young players. You have Brian Hayes and there's a young start there, but obviously nothing that's getting people really excited. They're still the Pittsburgh Pirates. Um, But I do want to get into something here um, as Zach Wheeler comes in to uh, uh, replace a Craig Kimbrough on the mound. Um, we got some Sox connections in this All-Star game, Mike. Let's start off first with Zach Wheeler on the mound. Uh, we know him from the oh. uh, classic 2019 free agency. They uh, had him. They round. freaking had him. They had him, and his wife wanted to stay in Pennsylvania, be close to the family. Um, yeah. Apparently, she hasn't heard of uh, flying planes yet. We do have uh, Arenado rumors. Arenado was uh, rumored, I think, in the 2019 offseason as well to become a White Sox when he was going to be traded to the Cardinals. That one sticks out to me. Um, we got some former players too, Mike. Yes. Uh, Marcus Simeon, Chris Bassett uh, out there for the uh, A's and Toronto Blue Jays, respectively. Sox barely chased Shohei Otani, um, but also who didn't. Um, Rafael Devers was almost a part of the Chris Sale trade. We ended up getting Kopech and Moncada. Uh, you have the current Fra- uh, Frazier, Gallo, and Story and Escobar rumors. All four of those players are currently on the field. I um, love the, it. The Fernando's Testis trade for James Shield is uh, sticking out in the mind of most people when they're seeing it. I might have to delete that, that, Sean. I can't believe you mentioned it. <laughs> Uh, the Corbin Burns rumors where he was going to be uh, a White Sox this year and then uh, Nick Madrigal was going to be going to the Milwaukee Brewers. That never sufficed. You had Zanino versus Grandal for the Martin Maldonado uh, roster spot. Zanino hits a home run in the fourth inning today in this game. Grandal is at home with uh, an injury. The final two, Michael Brantley in this game. Uh, he was almost sure. a White Sox free agent. I know Josh Nelson is upset that that isn't a possibility right now. And then finally, uh, ESPN reported back in March when they were doing a Juan Soto piece that the Sox were going after Soto, were about to sign him, and then the Nats yeah. beat him uh, by 100 or 200K. So a lot of Sox out there. Um, I even missed uh, Avi Garcia, who I think is – no, that's uh, – our. <laughs> that's that's the Garcia he's an all-star in our house yeah, um, he's he's always been an all-star but uh th- yeah. those are most of the Sox connections even outside of the four that are uh, currently white Sox, anderson's Hendricks, and uh rodan so i mean it, it's crazy sure. how many how many of these players have even touched the white Sox at some point i mean if you want to extend it to even nick castellanos he, he was a fit potentially but then there's mm-hmm. omar narvaez former white Sox, former oh, white right. Sox, eduardo escobar also future white Sox, Edvar, eduardo <laughs> escobar on the roster liam Hendricks yeah, now crazy. coming in to uh close out the game against omar oh, navarez he's leading up the nine. we knew it it's over the game's over actually as we record <laughs> this podcast <laughs> or he's just gonna give up three home runs I struck out the side uh, that's what happened i love the white Sox <laughs> connection i you can you can look at the entire all-star team and say, listen, like 65% of this, you know, all right. Like realistically, the guys who are part of the White Sox organization at some point, you can, you can name what seven potential. I think uh, off the top of my head, that is something really cool. Like good for Omar Narvaez, by the way, Chris Bassett, you know, made himself in Oakland. Uh, we know the, few, the, the past with, with him, but um, look at all these connections to the White Sox. I mean, it's, it's so crazy. I love it. Yeah, and it's just wondering, like, I mean, Moncada hasn't been in this game yet, right? We we think that he's going to be there at some point. If Andrew Vaughn keeps hitting like he is, um, you know, he's going to be in this game at some point. Uh, Grandal probably could have been in this game last year. They didn't end up holding it last year. I um, mean, he possibly could have been in this this game this year, too. And even then, I mean, Giolito, I mean, he was coming into the season as the ace. So you'd think that he would be even be on the roster at this point. If Aaron Bummer doesn't get hurt, is he on the roster? So not only are the guys that gotten away like Navarez, Tatis, um, Escobar kind of um, I don't know if he really got away, uh, but Simeon as well. They, they you know, he, he stalled That's with right. his, his progression um, and then ended up, you know, turning into the player that he was in Oakland. 
Uh, but it is interesting just because it really shows you how much of a powerhouse the Sox are. And you typically expect this from teams like the Yankees and Red Sox. And you see J.D. Martinez and Evaldi and Bogarts in this game. Yeah. Um, and you see Judge in this game, too. But the Sox having this much representation is really, really it, it fun. I mean, I, I don't think they've had this type of representation since they won the World Series in uh 2005 and then the following year in 2006 they had i think probably six guys six or seven guys make the all-star team and we're puffing our chests as white Sox fans is what we're saying it's exciting really. this it's is awesome. lockdown socks this is this is the celebration it's this awesome. is the midsummer classic and it's really cool to see yeah. all these guys in here with all the moments that could possibly be made this vlad guerrero moonshot is going to be played every single year i mean you know if tim anderson got up there and actually had an actual at bat you know, what could have that looked like? I mean, it, it could have been something truly special. And, and I hope we get more opportunities. As well, Sean, Yoelki Cespedes in the Futures game. Mm-hmm. Didn't do much, but hey, 23 years old. Keep an eye on it. Outfielder. Yeah, and those Future games looking, the jerseys in that game looked a lot better. But also, too, we're going to be talking about development. And we're going to be talking about the draft in the next segment. Yoelki Cespedes being a second-ranked prospect. The Sox are looking to add a lot of youth to their prospect pool in the 2021 draft. Mike and I are going to talk about if they did that in the past draft this Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. So that's next here on Lockdown Sox. Are you stressed, tired, or just don't feel like cooking? Food that's fast doesn't have to be fast food. Freshly offers quality meals without the hard work of prepping and cooking and the cleaning. That's right, Herb. We're all trying to get in shape and eat right. Freshly can help. Their delicious meals are designed by nutritionists and cooked by chefs, making it easier to eat better. Right now, Freshly is offering our listeners $40 off their first two orders when you go to Freshly.com slash locked on. Absolutely. And Freshly can fit your lifestyle with a variety of plans and meals to pick from that work for your dietary needs, preferences, tastes, and even family size. And now our listeners can try Freshly for only $6.16 per meal. Stop searching the internet for quote-unquote healthy food near me every night and start living life freshly. That's Freshly.com slash LockedOn for $40 off your first two orders. Your meals are always delivered fresh, never frozen, and they're always ready to heat and enjoy in just three minutes. Freshly brings the convenience of chef-made, nutritionist-designed classics right to your kitchen. Stop stressing about dinner. Go to Freshly.com slash LockedOn for $40 off your first two orders. That's Freshly.com slash LockedOn for $40 off your first two orders. Locked on White Sox is brought to you by Green Room. Green Room is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport. Herb and I will be hosting the Locked on White Sox room soon. Yes, you can finally join in on the conversation as you listen to us every day. Green Room is the perfect place to start or join conversations about the league. You'll find fans just like you on Green Room for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and of course, reacting to the big news or rumors. You'll have a chance to chat with us and may even have a chance to be featured on the Locked on White Sox podcast through our Green Room conversations. So go download the Green Room app now for free. Currently available on all iOS devices. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the MLB group for the latest league updates. I know you'll find a ton of incredible rooms around your favorite teams and sports. I can't wait to join you guys on the app. I'll be sure to let you know once the Lockdown White Sox squad is ready. Download the Green Room app today. Green Room, changing the way we talk sports. Welcome back into Lockdown Sox. Again, I'm Sean Anderson, and with me today is Mike Rankin. We're filling in for Herb and Tanny. They'll be back on Monday. And Mike, starting on Sunday, the 2021 MLB Amateur Draft started 
It's 20 rounds this year after being five rounds last year. Those 20 rounds taking place over the last three days. The White Sox at number 22, pick number 22 in round one, taking Colson Montgomery out of Southridge High School in Indiana. A shortstop bats left-handed, throws right, 6'4", 190. Jim Callis referred to him as kind of an older senior um, coming out of high school, being 19 years old. But, you know, he also said he would be a young 22 if he's coming out as a junior um, in college. So you being at Future Sox, you guys have a lot of uh, recent guest uh, contributors to your site breaking down the draft. What has the coverage been like over at Future Sox? And, you know, what was the Montgomery pick for you guys like at 22? Yeah, we did. Uh, boy, and, and shout out to James Fox, our lead on the project. A lot of research and talked to a lot of experts about the draft because it was unique this year. 20 rounds following the 2020 draft when it went from 40 rounds down to five from 2019 to 20 as a result of you know COVID. And it was a successful draft, Sean, in 2021 for the White Sox. I'm very optimistic about the crop of players across all 20. And, and the plus side of it overall from what we're hearing is that all of them are planning to sign, especially the high school players. And what we'll get into that here in a little bit, but you asked about Colson Montgomery and you also mentioned Jim Callis. Jim Callis has been on it since the get-go. I remember about eight weeks, maybe even 12 weeks prior to the draft, the White Sox were linked to Colson Montgomery largely because of the relationship that Mike Shirley, an Indiana guy, had scouting in the area and also because of the skill set. I think you brought up, too, an interesting point about Montgomery being 19 years old. Typically, 19-year-old seniors out of high school See, this is an interesting case. You know, teams shy away from that type of player because if you're going to take a high school player, you want that extra year of development, right? 18 to 19 gives a little bit more of an advantage to the organization, gives them more time to develop the player. And if they're going to go to a college route, you figure they're around maybe a year and a half separation, right, in terms of age, and they're developed a little bit more in their game. But in Colson Montgomery's case, and 19 as a high school shortstop, I'm myself looking past it, and I think the White Sox are ecstatic. I don't think, I know that they're ecstatic to get Colson Montgomery at 22. A couple of rumblings there in the draft that maybe the Mets were linked to him at 10, and the Cubs also as well at 21, and the White Sox were able to land him at 22. Uh, we'll get into also the second, third, fifth round picks the White Sox able to land too um because they're very interesting i think they're high impact players but let's get to colson montgomery a little bit here sean because like i said and like you said uh it, it was a standout pick for the organization the first prep player position player uh out of high school in the first round since 2012 and montgomery as a left-handed hitting shortstop at 6'4, 190 i mean he fills out already mm -hmm. reminds me a little bit of how jared kelly filled out out of high school when they drafted Kelly in the second round overslide and the Sox were excited to get him in 2020 uh, thinking that he was a first round talent, getting first round grades across the board. And the draft is so unique because of the way value is slot value is distributed across uh, the 30 teams in each round. So each pick has a value. The white Sox went over slot in the second round in West Cath, and they were able to sign Colson Montgomery or working on signing Colson Montgomery in the first round for the slot value at 22. And at, like I said, 6'4", 190, left-handed hitting shortstop. Jim Callis believes he can stick at the position. A lot of other scouts believe that he can stick at the position. 
And we talked about the relationship that Mike Shirley had with Colson Montgomery. Here's Colson Montgomery in his own words, talking about the experience being scouted by the White Sox and how he knew at pick 22 he was going to be on the south side. The White Sox, they were they were always high on the list too, especially with the connections I had, especially with uh, Shirley. I mean, he was, I could tell how passionate he was and confident he was with me and my abilities. So, I mean, once uh, the clock kind of started ticking down and it started running into the White Sox's pick, I kind of got pretty confident that that was kind of where I was going to land. But I mean, I just, just knowing uh, Shirley, I mean, I kind of get a really good idea of what the White Sox organization is all about. So I thought that was really interesting for him to have the relationship already with the scouting department. And he talked about the passion that Shirley showed and, and described what to kind of expect uh, on sort of a, a mental level, the expectations of energy and, and what he can bring to the organization. I think he's a nice piece to this puzzle, Sean. And, you know, something that I can ask you is like, you know, you think about a shortstop and Jim Callis, again, projected him to be a major league shortstop he could be a future shortstop of this organization how do you feel about hearing that when the White Sox select a shortstop out of high school when Tim Anderson is still young and on a cost-friendly contract at the time but Tim Anderson of course the shortstop now uh, does it does it concern you at all are we jumping the gun a little bit in assuming these types of things absolutely I mean again he's 19 years old we don't know how fast he's going to develop and I don't think I mean like we look at the last draft pick they had Garrett Crochet obviously people see that he was rushed to the majors but he still had college experience so I think that the idea of them drafting Colson Montgomery taking a shortstop and then people overreacting that well Tim Anderson is still young um, I I really don't buy it because you look at the guys that they have selected like Jake Berger Jake Berger isn't up here playing third base like he was drafted to in the first round Garrett Crochet isn't right now a starting pitcher pitcher like he was drafted to in the first round we see a lot of these first round guys giving different contributions when they're called up because they're not the same exact player. Um, They're going to go through stuff in a ball, in double a ball, in triple a ball. It's a journey. It's a road to the show. um, As as MLB show loves to call it. It's a place where Colson Montgomery is going to learn how to be an MLB shortstop, how to be a professional shortstop down there. And I think that he could definitely play out to be one. We know the basketball background on Colson Montgomery is high. He could have walked on at Indiana University and we know how big Indiana basketball is. I also think too, I mean, he's reminiscent of Corey Seager. Um, I think the left-handed stroke playing shortstop, a long lanky build. I mean, it makes sense that he could possibly end up sticking there just because of the athleticism, because you can see the model of a guy like Corey Seager already playing out and working in LA outside of his injury issues. So I think that the reaction from fan base that are worried about how Colson Montgomery affects Tim Anderson, I don't think that matters because Tim Anderson's still going to be Tim Anderson. And in four years, if he's still Tim Anderson, that's not a bad problem, right? If you have a guy like Colson Montgomery, that's possibly knocking on the door of making a jump to the major leagues. Well, what's Moncada look like? What's second base look like? Is Nick Madrigal still on this team? We hear rumors that, you know, he could be gone at any time. Um, We heard in the offseason with Corbin Burns. So I think that it's an overreaction. Right now, he's not even in affiliated ball yet. So let's just give him time to see what player he's going to be. Right. And you're on it. Totally on it. And I love the fact that you brought up the basketball background, multi-sport athlete, played football as well, freshman, sophomore year. And they said, listen, you got to (laughs) stop. You're too good at baseball. So you're going to get drafted in the first round. And he did. And he went to the White Sox and he's still playing shortstop. Mike Shirley said it himself. They want to project him as a shortstop. So let's hear in Colson Montgomery's own words, post 
draft via the Chicago White Sox. This audio from Coles Montgomery describes why he loves playing the position. I feel like it's the most athletic position on the field, too. And it's not all about physical for me, too. It's about, like, the leadership standpoint and all that stuff. I mean, because that's what I'm big on is being a leader, being very uh, sociable, communicate to everybody. And that's that's really why I like playing shortstop. Sign me up, okay? When he talked about the leadership, the the having fun, being in control, the most athletic position on the field, which I agree – I'm all about it. So I love the confidence of the kid. I love the pick. I'm extremely optimistic, and it's something to celebrate, I think, as a White Sox fan because Mike Shirley over the last two draft classes, you know, last year was the anomaly of a five-round draft, getting a different type of player in the initial rounds or in terms of overslot value. You're committing to a high school arm in Jared Kelly last year, and in this particular draft, you're committing to a prep player in the first round, a position player. I love college pitching, especially if the Sox, if like they're on their board and they're still available. I love to lean college pitching because the process a little bit more accelerated. But in this case, Montgomery was the right pick. Real quick, Mike, just I yeah. want to jump in on that Montgomery cut about playing shortstop because that's exactly what Tim Anderson looks to be. He looks to be a leader. He looks to have fun out there. And that's why I don't think there'd be issues, right? Tim Anderson would probably love that kid's energy on the team. Um, but you want to move on to the second round. And I'm interested in this West Cat yes. idea because I heard about him possibly being a first rounder, a guy that they could have taken at 22. Let's say if the Cubs took Montgomery at 21 and they end up getting him in the second round. This feels similar to Kelly, but just instead of him being a pitcher and, and being the Sox number one prospect right, right now as it stands, West Calf being a third baseman, batting left-handed, just like Colson Montgomery, 6'3", 200 pounds. What do you know about him from Arizona? Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, this is a, the player I mentioned a little bit earlier in the segment that the White Sox are playing to pay over slot for him because, like you said, this is a first-round talent. And perfect game baseball has him ranked 21st nationally. And the White Sox got him, what was that? at 50, 57. 57, thank mm-hmm. you. So he's a first base, third base projectable player, played shortstop in Arizona in high school. But this is a guy that I heard a comp of Matt Carpenter. So if you're if that tickles your fancy a little bit, I think the bat is similar to Matt Carpenter because there's so much pop coming from him at just 18 years old. Um, the exit velocity is in the, in the 90th percentile. Uh, among qualified prospects in the draft. And this is, again, another high school shortstop that is athletic, a strong arm with pop who bats left-handed and throws right-handed, right? I mean, this is another valuable piece that, and Jim Callis too, and we're mentioning Jim Callis because this guy is the master of the Major League Baseball draft, among others. But he mentioned that Wes Kath is a guy that was going to go to the White Sox at 22 if Colson Montgomery wasn't on the board. So this is a great pick to celebrate as well. You got two first-round talents in back-to-back draft classes, last year in Crochet and Kelly, this year in Kath and Montgomery. Yeah, and it's it's interesting to see them be this aggressive too. It's, it's also interesting to see Shirley's draft strategy play out. Um, I, I think you probably can speak a little bit more to it, but we see the aggressiveness in the second round to spend that bonus money. It really doesn't seem like that was a prior um, strategy for the White Sox. Um, do you think that this is the right strategy nowadays, going with players that you can either project to be in the major leagues like Andrew Vaughn or Garrett Crochet, the college players that you've selected recently, or going for these big possible huge potential prep players like Wes Kath, like Jared Kelly, like Colson Montgomery? Is this the right way to go? Is this modern baseball drafting? 
there's multiple layers to this conversation, Sean, because like you think about what you're investing in in a high school player, especially at you know a prep position. Over time, you're having to develop a 19 year old, and how long are you going to have him into your system? Things change year to year. I guess it does relate to the talent that's made available on the on the board across, you know, the the 20 round draft in this case. To your question, I think it was interesting to see the White Sox pick four prep players and they committed heavily at the top of the draft to these prep players. And we're seeing it in Colts Montgomery and West West Cath. Three overslot players. Uh, one was West Cath, as we mentioned. Uh, I want to get to Tanner McDougal here in a minute. Uh, Cameron Butler is somebody in round 15 who is likely to get an overslot value, as uh, Mike Shirley detailed in a conference call after day three of the draft that uh, the high school outfielder out of California, just to keep him away from committing to a college, the White Sox might have to spend. But yeah, I mean, these high school athletes, this is what you're looking for if you're talking about building depth. And ultimately, it's it's about trusting your scouting process. And the White Sox have been doing that over the last say six seasons and i want to get to sean the tanner mcdougall pick it's exciting we could celebrate you know these two position players but i'm a fan of pitching and we're seeing 3,000 rpms pop up on this kid and i don't know how the spider tag and all the you know sticky substances affect that for these players in in the minors there's no restrictions in college and in high school there are no restrictions but uh, Tanner McDougal's a standout prospect here, and the White Sox got him in the fifth round. Here's Mike Shirley post-draft after day three talking about the pick in right-hander Tanner McDougal. Tanner McDougal is a high upside right-handed starter who has elite metrics. So you talk about the his breaking ball has 3,000 spin to it. It's this elite weapon that is, you know, in the game in the modern-day game, it, you know, his, the science, science behind the game says he has a weapon that is unique on top of the fact it's athletic, it's six foot five, it's a starter. Uh, we saw him at the draft combine, it kind of like he jumped out at us again. And just how easy he gets his velocity, how many strikes he throws, there are, there are parameters we think can get better. And so we thought we bought a big time frontline possible starter. And we paid for it in the fifth round. He didn't get the normal slot money. We invested money in him. And uh, he's in a piece of the puzzle that's very exciting for us. Sean, he said frontline, high-end starter with elite stuff, athleticism. And he's got a huge build. He's got a huge build. <laughs> I, I read somewhere that he's comped to Zach Greinke. I saw a little bit of Walker Bueller too, with that curveball. Um, I really think that it's interesting. His mechanics yeah. are really uh, fluid. And the most interesting part about it to me, Mike, is that he's the youngest prep player that they took. Colton Montgomery being the oldest, uh, he's 18 and will turn, uh, or he's 19, will turn 20 in February. West Cath is um, 18, but will turn 19 in August. And then you mentioned Cameron Butler. He is going to be um, 19 in October. Where you look at Tanner McDougal, he's going to be 19 next April. That is the craziest part about all of this. You get 6'5", 185, yeah. great mechanics, you know, pretty a major league fastball probably at, at, at the time that he's going to make the major leagues. I mean, he's already 91, 94, and you hear about that curveball. Like yeah. that is elite, elite RPMs. And you, you talk about spider tech. Yeah. I'm not going to rule <laughs> it out, but I mean, I, I think that th- it's just super impressive to take it as what it is and maybe just let's yeah. let's blind ourselves to, to what could Last possibly be here. happening. And, and we'll, we'll finish up this segment with this thought. Overall, 12 pitchers, 11 out of college, 
for prep players. Here's something with pick number 94. This came in the third round. Sean Burke was projected 53 by Baseball America. You want to talk about build? Right-handed pitcher, 6'6", 230, four-pitch mix, 91-95, slider mid-80s, change-up, and a curveball to boot. So credit Mike Shirley, credit the Chicago White Sox. We can go on and on about the 20-round draft. I'm sure we'll talk uh, more on the Locked On Sox podcast moving down the line. Maybe Sean, or excuse me, maybe Tanny and Herb have a guest or two in mind recapping the draft who are much smarter than we are. But man, I, as just an observer, I am super excited about the haul that the White Sox were able to get. Yeah, super exciting stuff. And again, I really like to see Mike Mike Shirley's draft strategy starting to play out. It really feels like maybe this draft could actually be useful for the White Sox because it feels like so many years prior to this this regime change, it just felt like the White Sox kept missing and missing um, with their with their picks in the draft. But it really feels like they're building something. All right, we'll be back. We'll take our final break of the episode and we'll preview what's ahead on Locked On Socks. Don't go anywhere. This episode of Locked On White Sox is brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. Built Bar, it's the best tasting protein bar ever. You got to sign up for the email and text alerts with Built Bar like I did because then you won't miss out on limited flavors like what they have right now. Grasshopper cookie it's built bars version of the classic thin mint cookie that you guys all know and love all the flavor without that sugar just 150 calories 17 grams of protein and just five grams of sugar i'm down 24 pounds now thanks to built bar been getting those bad sweet treats out of my life replacing them with built bars and it's worked great as a matter of fact i just got my shipment in of my new favorite flavor german chocolate they are outstanding they're 180 calories 17 grams of protein only five grams of sugar and just four grams of net carbs and i only got them because i signed up for their email and text alert so as soon as my favorite flavor was back in stock and that's the thing about a lot of these flavors they sell out quickly i was able to get in there and get my box of 18 before i go on vacation so now i won't be without them even on vacation and there's flavors for everyone at buildbar.com coconut cherry barcia raspberry mint brownie double chocolate salted caramel strawberry orange cookies and cream there's so many different flavors an endless variety of flavors depending on what your tastes are so order today get the grasshopper cookie or even raspberry or whatever you like built bar is the official protein bar of the u.s track and field team isn't that cool go to built.com and use our promo code locked 15 that's going to get you 15 percent off your next order that's promo code locked 15 for 15 percent off at built.com built bar it's the best tasting protein bar ever Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with Lockdown Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Lockdown Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Mike, what do we got for tomorrow's show? Well, Sean, boy, uh, we're looking ahead, okay, because that's what we do. The White Sox are good, and there's something to celebrate here. And we want to ask you, the listener, your thoughts about what to expect in the second half. We're keeping an eye on Aloy Jimenez. He's making rehab stints. Went to Winston-Salem, homered, now he's in Charlotte. And we're asking you this question. Are you thinking that he's going to be back sooner rather than later? Tony La Russa mentioned three weeks as a timetable, and he believes that Aloy needs all three weeks to get back into shape. Do you agree with that? Do you not? Leave us a voicemail, 312-566-8727. That's 312-566-8727. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, at Locked on Socks. Also, email us, lockedonsocks at gmail.com with your responses. We want to hear from you. Second half expectations, 
what are some of the players that are standing out to you as well? Maybe the prospects, Billy Hamilton making diving catches in the mud. Who is it? What do you see the roster looking like following the trade deadline potentially or even after the All-Star break if we want to keep it concise here? That's what we have on the next episode of Lock on Sox, Sean, and uh, we're going to be back for that one, so I'm looking forward to it. Yes, we are. It's going to be good. We'll hit you tomorrow, at, we'll hit you Thursday morning, right? Thursday morning with that episode. Follow Mike Rankin on Twitter, at Rankin906, and you can follow me on Twitter, at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. That's going to do it, though. We really appreciate Herb and Tanny for letting us fill in, and we appreciate you guys for listening, and we will talk to you tomorrow on Locked on Socks.